Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. If you'd like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at BethesdaChurch.tv slash give and simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Are you thankful for God's goodness? Man, I want to dive into the Word of God today. We kicked off a brand new series last week entitled Money Talks. Come on, hit your neighbor and tell them, Money Talks. That's the wrong neighbor. Tell somebody else, Money Talks. Y'all not playing, are you? 11 o'clock service, don't play. Money Talks. It's hard to say that without a smile, right? Because we know that Money Talks. Uh, we know the, the famous movie several years ago, Show Me the Money, the Jerry Maguire movie. Uh, we know that money talks. And so we kicked off the series um, and we entitled the first message, uh, Who Can You Trust or Who Do You Trust? And it's, um, I love talking about this subject because the Bible has so much to say about it. A lot of preachers, a lot of pastors are very, very nervous about it, but the Bible has a lot to say about this content. I want to call this message today, I want to call it the treasure test, not the treasure chest, but the treasure test, because God tests us when it comes to money. He tests us when it comes to treasure. And I know that we are coming up on one of the most expensive times of the year. Anybody love Christmas around here? Anybody? I said, who loves Christmas? Anybody love Christmas? You know, I love Christmas. I like the Christmas music. I like the Christmas food. There's a lot I like about it. Uh, Yesterday, we did some Christmas decorating. Uh, The one thing I don't like about it is that it gets real expensive sometimes. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Uh, And some of you are like, I can't believe we're talking about finances and money and, and, you know, Black Friday is coming. Come on, where's the women at? Right? Black Friday is coming. Uh, Christmas is coming, and I get it. But I think what we need to understand is that if we can be faithful over the tithe and over offering this time of year, then we can be faithful and obedient over it all year long. Right? Oh, I'm going to have to work for it today. I can already tell. Um, but, but I like this, this content because the Bible has so much to say about it, and we understand that according to the Word of God, that this this subject of money and possessions is directly connected to the windows of heaven being opened. I think sometimes we are praying about something that would automatically happen if we would just be obedient. We're asking God to do something that he's saying, I would do it if you would just do what I told you to do. That we don't have to pray about certain things. It's just an act of obedience. I told you the story last week about the pastor who had this couple that had been attending his church for a long time. And they came up one Sunday and they asked for prayer. And he said, how can I pray for you? And they said, we need, uh, we need God to touch our finances. We, we need God to minister to us financially. And he said, are you a tither? They said, no. He said, I'm not praying for you. Some of you are like, that's mean. No, how can you pray against something that, or, or pray for something to be reversed if you're going to be in disobedience anyway? And so uh, we either believe this or we don't. 
okay? We don't have to pray about finances if we'll just be obedient in the area of finances. And I, I don't know about you, but I want this house to be made up of 100% tithers. You know why? It's not just an open heaven over this house and your house. How many know it'll open up heaven in every part of our lives? It'll open up heaven for your health, for your relationships, for your children, for your business, for your career. It'll open up heaven over every part of your life. And so we began by talking about the tithe last week, and we know that the tithe, the first 10% of our income, God has already established that it belongs to him that it is his. We don't give the tithe, we bring the tithe, all right? So when I tithe, I'm not giving God anything. We're just bringing back to God what he has already established as his. The cool thing about God, though, is that when we bring the tithe, it's as if we brought all 100%, because not only does he bless what we bring, he blesses the rest, and how many of you know 90% blessed goes a whole lot further than 100% cursed? Yeah, I'm going to find my crowd in a minute. I want you to get this. I want you to get this um, because this is life-changing. The Bible tells us that if we know to do good and we don't do it, to us it is sin, which means we're going to be judged based on the revelation that we've been exposed to. In, in, in another way of saying it is once God teaches me a principle and I know what the truth is, I'm now held accountable to that truth. We've been saying something here at Bethesda Church uh, over the last couple months. We can't go back because once you know something, you can't go back and unknow it. So if God has taught you anything, any principle that you've learned, you can't go back from that. It's time for you to walk in and hit your neighbor and tell them walk in it. All right, now I got some help. We're going to walk in this. Now, how many of you have ever seen the show Hoarders? Come on, raise your hand. I need to see where the, okay, we've seen the show. Now, now I got my people. Um, man, what a mess, right? I mean, hoarding up all that stuff, such a train wreck. I mean, just piling it into these spaces and hoarding up all this stuff, but there are a couple of individuals that show up on that show. You have an organizer who, who comes to figure out what in the world are we going to do with all the stuff? How are we going to get it all out of here? But you also have a psychologist because we know that it's not just about getting rid of all the stuff you've been hoarding, but it's about changing your attitude about stuff, changing your heart about stuff, because if you don't change the heart behind it, you can clean it all out, but how many of you understand in a year, you're going to be in the same spot. You're going to continue to hoard. And so the show has nothing to do with faith, but it teaches us, us a faith lesson. When it comes to our possessions and our desire to have more, it isn't about the possessions. It's about the heart beneath the possessions, and that is what has to be addressed. Um, when it comes to this subject on, on finances, um, a, a good way of explaining this is most people don't, don't mind being labeled as angry or frustrated or even jealous over something. Even though we know none of that stuff's good, we don't mind that. But if you call somebody greedy, I mean, there's just something icky about being called greedy if somebody calls you that. Um, and... So today, I don't have kiwi today, but I do have apples. 
And the apples are a representation of your income, your possessions, the things that God has blessed you with. Uh, and how many are thankful for all the things God has given you? Anybody thankful? Right, I'm thankful. Um, and so I, I got a small, we'll, we'll move this one over here. We got, a, we got a small pile, we got a medium pile, and we got a large pile. And in this room today, there are people here that some of us, we have a small pile. Some of us, we have a medium-sized pile. Some of us, we have a lot. And the, the thing that we have to come to grips with is whether we have a small, a small pile, a medium, or a large pile, it's still about obedience. It's not equal amounts, but it is equal percentage. When it comes to the tithe, it's not equal amounts. The person who makes a million dollars a year, their tithe shouldn't look like a person who makes 40000 a year, Right? It's not equal amounts, it's equal percentage. And God has entrusted our piles to us, and we are to be faithful, and there's a connection between our faithfulness over possessions and our trust in God. There's a connection between finances and faith. That God tests us when it comes to possessions. Um, We need to understand that everything we have It came to us from God. I know some of us think we're just smart and brilliant and we work hard. And all that, maybe you may be smart, you may be brilliant, you may work hard. But at the end of the day, God has blessed you with the smarts you have. He's given you the ability to work hard. He's given you everything you need. And Jesus said this, though, very important. Then we're going to get into some specific scriptures. Jesus said, watch out and be on guard against greed. Now, that would have been the perfect opportunity for him to say, watch out, be on guard against adultery, against gossip, against murder. All those are bad. We know we don't want any of that in our life. But he's very specific when he says, watch out and be on guard against greed. And the reason is because greed has a way of sneaking into our lives. We don't always notice greed. But some stats that will help us wake up this morning, and you say, why are we preaching on a subject like this? Here's why. Americans make four times more than the rest of the world, yet we spend 98% of what we make on ourselves. 98% of what we make on ourselves. We spend more money on drive throughs than we do charity. I want that to sink in. We spend more money on our pets than we do the poor. We spend more money on pornography than we do helping people get out of sex trafficking. All right, now I got your attention. When you start seeing the stats and know that we spend more on our dog than we do the poor. We spend more on pornography than we do setting those in sex trafficking free. We spend more on a drive through than we do helping those that are less fortunate. 71% of people with credit card debt are at a place where they can only pay the minimum amount, which means there's not a payoff date in the near future. We give less today of our income in this nation than we did during the Great Depression. 
All right? So I'm, I'm, I'm saying Jesus said, watch out, be on guard against greed. Greed has a way of infiltrating our lives sometimes, and, and we don't even notice that it's happening. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. So my part is to trust God. And when I trust God, he'll take care of everything else. He's saying, if I lean on my own understanding, I get myself in trouble. But if I'll trust him, he'll make my path straight. Proverbs chapter 3, 9 and 10 says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops, then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. So there's a correlation in the Bible between faith and trust, and there's also a correlation in the Bible between finances and faith. Our soul, though it is intangible, is impacted by the tangible. My soul, though you can't touch it, it's intangible, it's affected by money, by possessions, by things you can touch. And so Jesus connects the two, our faith and our money. Now, let me ask you guys a question. How many of you want to be blessed? Okay, I got about five honest people in the room. Like, how many of you, let's try that again, how many of you want to be blessed, right? I want to be blessed. I want you to be blessed. But what does it mean to be blessed? To be blessed is, is to be on the receiving end of not only the intangible favor of God, but also of the tangible favor of God. That when God blesses you, it impacts every part of your life. Look at, look at Proverbs 22 and 9. Here's how we get blessed. A generous man will himself be blessed. Notice he doesn't say a stingy man. He says a generous man will be blessed. I want to be the kind of person that God can entrust with his blessing, but in order for that to happen, I have to be generous. I have to understand the principle of the apples. It all goes back to the apples, to the things God has entrusted into my care, into my possession. Jesus said in Luke 16 and 11, he said, so if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? So Jesus says, if I can't trust you in handling money or, or possessions, I can't trust you with the stuff that really matters. You say, what's the stuff that really matters? What's the true riches? I, I think the true riches is his joy, his peace, divine health, miracles, healing, power, authority. How I many? Those are true riches. But if I can't trust you with, with worldly wealth, how can I entrust you with the true riches? Some of us think we can believe God for the impossible, for the supernatural. If we can't trust God with 10% of our income, with generosity, how are we going to believe God to heal the cancer? It's got to start with the small things. And money is a small thing when placed in God's hands. It's not even that big a deal. We make it a big deal, but it's really not a big deal. If we will trust God, he will show himself faithful. Luke 12, 34 says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. 
Your money and your heart are always in the same place. That's a better way of saying it. Your money and heart's always in the same place. I, I may not know you at all, but if you show me your checkbook or your bank account, I can find out a whole lot about you in about five minutes. I can look down the line and say, this is what's important. This is what they care about. This is where their heart is. Because we don't put our money in places our heart's not in it. If 50% of your budget goes to Wendy's, your heart is at Wendy's. Every time we drive by Wendy's, my, my, my son Zeke, he's back there running lights today. But every time we drive by Wendy's, he's like, please, Dad, it's heaven. It's heaven. I just laugh. Like heaven, Wendy's. It's Wendy's. But the spicy chicken to him, that's like heaven on earth. And so where we spend, he's going to be mad at me for that. Um, I just threw him under the bus on a Sunday morning. Um, But where we invest our money, it shows where our heart's at. If I'm bringing the tithe into the local storehouse where God says to bring it, listen, when when you bring the tithe to Bethesda Church, if this is the place where you are getting the meat of God's word, where you are growing, where you are finding community, where your life is changing, and you get paid and you bring the first 10% to God, which literally it already belongs to God whether you bring it or not. When you bring it, guess what happens? Your heart starts becoming connected to what's happening in the local church. You start becoming a part of what God is doing through that church and it's God's will for his kingdom to come through the local church and minister to everyone around us. I don't know about you, but I want to see a kingdom explosion in our region of lives changed, of souls saved, of sick bodies being healed, but we need more people to invest their heart and their pocketbook. Listen, God has blessed you, and he wants to, it's the only area, we're going to read it in a little while, it's the only area in scripture where God says, test me. He doesn't say test me in any other place except your money. He says, test me in this area if I will not throw open the windows of heaven and pour you out such blessing, you won't have room enough to receive it. God says, I'll do that for you, but you've got to trust me when it comes to your money. Now, we we usually get the whole time is important, like we know that spending time with God is important. We know if you're married, I hope you know this, spending time with your spouse is important. You have to be intentional about that. We know if you have children, uh, spending time there is important. So we, we get time. We also get the talent thing. God has given me talent that you don't have, and God has given you talent that I don't have. The key, though, is understanding that we are to use our time and our talent. We're to leverage that for kingdom purposes. We're to leverage time and talent to further God's kingdom. Now, a lot of us will say amen to that, but it's not just time and talent, it's also treasure. God wants us to invest our time, our talent, and our treasure, which is our income, our finances, to further his kingdom. It declares, the Bible is very clear that we are to leverage those things to move his kingdom forward. Again, our soul is intangible, but it's impacted by that which is tangible. It's influenced by money. God has blessed us with stuff. He's blessed us with money, but he says the first portion 
I want you to bring it to me. And our God is a God of first. He's a God of, of first fruits, of firstborns. We know that, G, that God himself gave Jesus, right? He sowed his son so that you and I, so he could have sons and daughters. Anybody thankful that God didn't withhold his son, but he gave his son, right? That God is showing us a principle of how this works. So the Bible says everything I have is God's, and he also tells me to bring the first portion of my income, that it's not my stuff, it's his stuff, and when I bring the first portion, God sanctifies the whole amount. And when he says, I'll open up the windows of heaven and pour you out blessing, listen, that's not just financial. God wants to bless you in more ways than financially. So what good is it to have all this money and income and be blessed financially if you don't have health? What good is it if you've got all these possessions and your relationships are all terrible? If there's no peace in your life, no joy in your life. God says, I want to throw, up, throw open the windows of heaven and pour you out blessing in every part of your life. The problem that we have, though, is that every time we're blessed, every time we get paid, we have an opportunity to bring to God what belongs to him. Now, I want to establish this because I know we got a lot of people that are new to church. The tithe, the first 10% of our income, it already belongs to God. I'm not giving God anything. I'm just bringing what already belongs to him. But every time we receive money, every time we get a payday, anything like that, we have a decision to make. I'm either going to take it and, man, that apple looks good and I'm going to eat it, so I'm going to spend it on myself or I'm going to bring it to God. But here's, here's the part we, we miss. If I were to eat this apple, if you get to the center of the apple, the same is true with the kiwi last week. If I get to the middle of the apple, if I make it to the core, it's full of seed, right? If I eat the apple, what do I normally do? I discard the core or the seed. So I throw the seed away. And that's what we do when we eat the tithe instead of bringing it to God. We are throwing away seed. But when I take the seed and instead of eating it or spending it on myself, I bring that which belongs to God. I am now planting seed that God says I will multiply back into your life. Some of us got to stop eating the seed and throwing it away and we got to start planting the seed so that God can multiply it. But here, here's the thing, when, when we're all about the possessions, what do we do? We grab hold of them, we think, man, that, I want that, I'm going to keep it for myself. Some of us, we want everything, so we just pack this out, you know. Carry it. I'm not giving anything to God, this is all mine. But if I'm holding on to the possessions instead of giving them to God, I want you to notice my hands are not in a position to receive. It's not until I, Alex, I give it, now my hands are open. Some of us, we're coming to God, but our hands are closed because we're keeping everything. You can eat that, by the way. You may want to clean it. My hands, I don't know, touching all this stuff. Um, our hands are closed because we have a vice grip on what God has blessed us with. But there's something freeing about when I sow, my hands are now open. And when it comes to generosity, let me just throw it out there. It's not just financially. Be generous with your words. So if you need encouraged, 
sow encouragement. If you need some kindness in your life, sow a little kindness in your life. Sowing and reaping is a principle of the kingdom. And God says, bring our best to him. When we bring it to him, he will begin pouring out his favor on our life. Now, I want to establish real quick, and I'm going to give you six quick points. Hit your neighbor and say, he won't be long. I'm just going to kind of just throw those out there. Um, the tithe belongs to God. So if, if you make 100000 a year, let's see if y'all are good at math, what should my tithe be? Ten grand. I should give ten grand. Uh, not give it, I should bring it. Um, if, if, if I make 50000 a year, what should my tithe be? Five grand. It's, it's not complicated. It's not equal amounts. It's equal percentage. Now, tithing is not generosity. Some of us think when we bring the tithe, we're being generous. No, you're only bringing to God what already belongs to him. If I want to be generous, I have to bring the tithe, and then if I give beyond that, now I'm in generosity. He told um, the people in, in the book of Malachi, look at this verse. I think it's Malachi 3. Let me see if I got it. Malachi 3, verse 8, will a man rob God, yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. I want you to notice the tithe and offering. You're robbing me because you're not bringing the tithe, and even if you bring the tithe, you're not going above it, so you're robbing me in offerings. Offerings are my gift to God, all right? That's my gift to God. You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house and test me in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. So i got to be faithful when it comes to tithe and when it comes to offering. Now, I want to speak to this real quick. God does not need your money. It's so important that I, I put that out there. He doesn't need your money. Um, he doesn't need my money. And the reason is because God owns it all. So the question comes, why do we have to talk about money then? If God doesn't need it, why do we need to talk about it? Because money and faith are connected. And faith without works is dead. There's a lot of people claiming faith but don't operate in faith. There's a difference in saying I have faith and demonstrate. The book of James, if you want some homework, go read the book of James and then come back to me. Because James would say, if you have faith, show me. Not talk about it. There, how many, we got too many people talking about faith that don't operate in faith. James would say, show me your faith. He wouldn't say, talk about it. He would say, show me. If you have faith, there should be an action, a, correlate, a correlating action. Now watch this. The word believe is used 272 times in Scripture. The word pray is used 371 times. Our favorite, the word love, 714 times in Scripture. But the word give, 2,162 times in Scripture. Now, a lot of us say we need to talk more about love. I think we need to talk more about giving. 
2,162 times. Jesus talked more about money than he did heaven and hell combined. 16 out of 38 parables deal with possessions. So it's an important subject. Hit somebody and tell them it's important. All right, now let me give you these six things quickly. Number one, when it comes to generosity, generosity is all about God. All right, let's just start there. It's all about God. When I receive Jesus Christ and I repent of my sins and I I choose to follow him, when I bring the tithe and when I give offerings, I am now agreeing with my new nature. My new nature, I'm not just, like when I, when I come to Christ, I'm not, God's not just adding some good things to Chad Dingus. He's not just adding things to me. The Bible says that I died, that old things are passed away, and behold, all things have become new. So I, I'm not just a, you know, an improved Chad Dingus. I'm a brand new creation. And so when I obey, I am agreeing with my new nature. Your new nature in Christ is generous. If you're operating in greed, it's because you're reverting back to who you used to be. Because if you're in relationship with Jesus, you want to be generous. You want to be a giver. You want to be a sower. You, want, you understand the importance of, uh, or, or the uh, truth of it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. My old nature is all about keeping, keep everything to myself. My new nature is about giving. How many of you would say uh, you would like to be labeled as a generous person? Anybody want to be a generous? I want to be a generous person. And you can do that in your, in your relationship with Christ. He has made you generous. So generosity is all about God. Secondly, it's all about lifestyle, which means It should transcend everything we say, do, and feel. The temptation for a lot of people is they say, I hear that because I've I've been doing this a long time, and I'll have some people say, Pastor, when I start making a lot of money, I'm really going to bless the church. Or they'll say, when I win the lottery, I'm going to pay it off. Come on, y'all. I'll pay it all off. I'll build you a gym. I'll, I'll do all of this stuff. And, and, and they lying through their teeth. How do you know they lying? Because they won't tithe and be obedient on what they already have. And if you're not faithful over a little, you ain't going to be faithful over a lot. Matter of fact, you won't even get to try because if God can't trust you with a little, he's not going to entrust you with a lot. I need somebody to help me right here in the 11 o'clock service. I got to learn to trust him where I'm at. So they want to say things like one day I would, don't bring all that weak stuff to God. If you're eating the tithe and stealing from God, don't talk about what you're going to do in the future. Get faithful now. Get faithful now. Generosity is about God. It's about lifestyle. Generosity is also about blessing. God wants to bless your life. He wants to bless my life. He wants us to live in a sweet spot. In sports, they call it the zone. When somebody gets hot from three in a basketball game and they knock down about five in a row, the announcers will say, he's in the zone. He's in the sweet spot. God wants your life to get in a sweet spot. It doesn't mean that it's absent of problems. It just means that you're in a sweet spot. It just means that God will take even the hard things 
and turn them around for your good. And when it comes to being blessed, it's not just financial. God wants to bless your relationships, your marriage, your children, your job, your health. He wants to bless all parts of your life. Again, Proverbs 22 and 9, a generous man will himself be blessed. Proverbs 16 and 20, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. 2 Corinthians 9 and 6, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Generosity is about God, lifestyle, blessing, and it's all about giving. How many know giving's an attitude? It's really an attitude. It's an, an attitude that understands it, it really is more blessed to give than it is to receive. I love this scripture that Paul gave us from 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse number 7. He said, but just as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in your love for us, just as you excel in all those areas, see that you also excel in the grace of giving. Paul said, you are doing some cool stuff, but what about your giving? You're loving well, you got faith, you're doing all these things well, but what about your giving? God uses money and things that are tangible to test us. Again, you say you love God, you want to be pleasing to God, learn how to be obedient to God. You know what the Bible says? It was a scripture, my pastor growing up, he said it over and over and over and over again. He said, obedience is better than sacrifice. And a lot of times we end up trying to sacrifice because we were disobedient. We were disobedient, we feel guilty, now we're going to work harder and we're going to sacrifice. If you'd have just obeyed in the first place, you wouldn't have to feel the weight of that trying to sacrifice. Just be obedient up front. That's good preaching, didn't cost y'all anything. Generosity is about God, lifestyle, blessing, giving. Number five, this is probably my favorite. Generosity is about maturity. Maturity means that you have the ability to reproduce. When you start having children, you realize that some point right after they're born, that your life is no longer about you. Right? All the parents can say amen. Right? It, it, once you reproduce, you realize, I cannot live selfishly any longer. That it's no longer about me, but it's about what we've reproduced. It's about our kids. I had no idea what people meant when they said, when you have kids, it'll change your life. Hey, I got three kids, and it has changed my life. Right? It has changed my life because you can't live for yourself any longer. That's what it means to be mature. Some people want to be a Christian. They just don't want to grow up. They don't want to mature. They're still saying, this is mine. They're like kids at a playground fighting over toys. If we would just be obedient and say, God, it all belongs to you, yet we're fighting, God, this is mine, and this is mine, and I want that. We're like kids in, in a kiddie pool fighting over toys. And what it says is we want to be saved, we just don't want to be mature. We don't want to grow up. When you start being obedient in the area of finances, it's a sign that you're beginning to grow. 
it speaks that you are maturing as a follower of Jesus Christ. And a lot of people will say, they come to our church, they say, man, it must be nice to have this big church and this facility, and man, this, it, this just happened. I want to say, this didn't just happen. This is here because there are people in this church that are mature enough to know that everything they have comes from God, and they have been faithful over that which God has given to them, and they have been faithful to bring the tithe and to sow offerings. This didn't just pop out of the sky. These are faithful people that have obeyed God, and because of that, God has blessed us. And I can't, I can't think of an investment at Wall Street or a retirement fund that you can sow into better than the local church because just this... This year alone, we've seen 187 people give their life to Jesus, and that doesn't happen. Come on, somebody, give him a real praise if you're going to. 187 people have made a decision to follow Jesus, and that's, that's, that's because people have, have prioritized God. They have prioritized generosity. They've been faithful. Generosity is about God, lifestyle, blessing, giving, maturity. And as the worship team comes, generosity is all about now. It's not about the future. It's about now. Now is the time. Don't say you're going to be faithful in giving sometime in the future. Many times when we say that, we're lying to ourselves. We're lying to God. We have to be faithful now. And I know, I know, Christmas is coming. Black Friday is coming. But I want to say it again. If you can be faithful in tithing offerings this time of year, you can be faithful all year. So what, what, what do we do with this content? Well, those of you that are tithers, you already know. Every person that's a tither in this room can give you stories of how God has blessed them. There's not a tither in this room that would say, I wish I hadn't become a tither. Every single one of them can tell you stories of how God has blessed their lives by being a tither. So if you're a tither, I would just say, as Paul did, excel in the grace of giving. Bring the tithe. God will honor that. But learn to operate in generosity, which is above and beyond your tithe. One of the ways you can do that before, between now and the end of the year is giving toward this Christmas offering that we're going to sow into church planting and church revitalization. It's an opportunity for you to just go above and beyond. I could teach a whole message on what God does with your offerings. We may get to that next week. We may not. Maybe another time. But there's never been an offering that God has spoke to my heart about that I gave that he didn't bless me in some kind of way whether it be financially or in other areas of my life, he's blessed me every single time. So if you're a tither, I would encourage you, take the step and pray about what you would give between now and Christmas Eve service. God, what would you have me do above and beyond my tithe? If you're not a tither, I want to challenge you to say, you know what? For the next 90 days, we're going to be faithful in bringing the tithe to God. It's the only place in Scripture where God says, test me. And just to show you, we're not like in a crisis mode here at the church and we need your money to pay bills. Our bills are paid. We're doing great. God has blessed this house. If it doesn't work for you after 90 days, we'll just give you the money back. I know you're not used to hearing that at church, but 
It's not what we can get from you. It's what we want to happen in your life. Every tither in this building, every tither that was here at 9 o'clock can tell you, and they know for a fact, you cannot outgive God. You cannot. I'm going to read this scripture, and then I'm going to quit. Some of you are like, praise the Lord. Deuteronomy chapter 8. Verse number 18 says, And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you the power to get wealth, that He may establish His covenant, which He swore to your fathers, as it is this day. It is God that gives you the power to get wealth. And I said it tonight, I want to say it again. I believe that there are millionaires under the sound of my voice that God wants to raise up. You say, I'm not a millionaire. Well, maybe you're going to be. I believe there are people that are called by God to finance the kingdom. And they are just as important as the person holding the microphone preaching the gospel. Paul talked a little bit about it. How how can the one who's supposed to preach go unless he be sent? That we work together. Some of you are like, I don't know about all that. Well, if you don't want it, I'll take yours and mine. People get funny when you talk about money. You don't have to get all weird about this. God wants to bless your life. And let me say this, just for those of you wondering, does, you know, if I'm a tither and a giver, does God really care where I live and what I drive and all that? God is not concerned. It doesn't mean you don't manage your money well after you bring the tithe. But God isn't concerned about what house you pick or if you drove a Bentley here if you drove a Bentley to church please give me a ride afterwards I've always wanted to ride in one I'm going to roll down the window and embarrass you though because I'm going to wave at everybody he's not concerned in what you're wearing where you're living what you're driving just be obedient be a good steward be obedient If you're making $30,000 a year, please don't drive a Bentley. Y'all smile, come on. Now, if you're making $3 million a year, go ahead and drive your Bentley. Enjoy it. God's not against you having stuff, but he is against stuff having you. Stand to your feet. I'm going to quit. I'm going to quit right here. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. No one looking around. I want to speak to those that are in the room that are not in a relationship with Jesus. And I know we spoke about money, but that doesn't mean the Holy Spirit can't speak to your heart about a relationship with Jesus. I'm not going to prolong this moment, but I do want to give you an opportunity. If you're in this place, you say, Pastor, I'm not right with God. I need to repent of my sin and I need to follow Jesus. I need his grace and his forgiveness in my life. I don't want to leave the same way that I came. If that's you today, I want to give you an opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life. If that's you, would you just throw your hand up right there where you are and say, Pastor, you're talking to me. I want to make things right with God today. One over here, God bless you. I see that hand. Anyone else? Anyone else? I see that hand. God bless you back there. So good. Anyone else before we pray? 
awesome. Every voice lifted, two hands went up, two people coming into a relationship with Jesus. I want us to pray this out loud. Everybody together say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. Today, I'm asking you to come into my heart. Forgive me for all my sins. I repent of those sins and I choose to follow you. Thank you for saving me and changing me. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's give them a big God bless you. So good. We got some Compass directors and group leaders. They may be coming by and putting a book in your hand. Uh, I gave them permission while we're all bowing our head and closing. I told them, keep your head up and your eyes open. Because uh, we want to help you take your next step. I'm going to ask that our ushers, or not ushers, our prayer team and staff go ahead and get in place. We're going to open up the altars for a time of prayer during this last song. If you need prayer for anything at all, don't hesitate to come and receive prayer. We would love to put our faith with yours. Before the worship team comes and sings, give Jesus the best praise you have all day, church. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Bethesda Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, BethesdaChurch.tv. Thank you for joining us and have a great day.